Hey folks, welcome to another Growing the Game with Ballsy, the podcast dedicated to growing this great game of football in Saskatchewan. I'd like to recognize a major sponsor. That would be Regina Sports Performance Center in the heart of Regina at 1464 Broadway Avenue. It's a center of excellence for the training and rehabilitation of Saskatchewan's elite athletes. It features a 50-yard indoor football field, multi-purpose basketball courts, a soccer field, and an on-site physiotherapist in Scott Anderson. Our first quarter is brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics. Beat back father time in a naturally looking way with Crescinda to catch and her great staff above Gabo's on Dudney Avenue. In the first quarter, I catch up with former U of S Husky safety Josh Haggerty, who's into his second year playing with the Toronto Argonauts. The second year guy, how much more do you appreciate the mental reps? Yeah, you uh, you realize from last year and this year that the mental reps uh, mean a lot. You know, uh, as, a, as a backup guy, you might not always get the most reps in practice. So being able to lock in on those walkthrough reps and stuff and study from the guy ahead of you is, is super important, especially coming down the stretch here. And because football is not, it's not a contact sport, it's a collision sport. You never know when your n- uh, number's going to get called, right? Yeah, it could be at any point, at any moment in any game. You know, you could be third, third on the death chart, and you might have to go in because of a bunch of injuries ahead of you. So you always got to be locked in. How are the hamstrings? That's been an issue for you this year, and 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 what is uh, what's that like to battle through that when you're running a lot? That's not an easy. Some people say, ah, oh, it's a hamstring, but no, those can be nagging all season. Yeah, it's super frustrating. So, like, yeah, I've been kind of battling both my hamstrings this year, uh, both from last year and, and years prior and stuff. So they, they never really fully heal up as, as I've learned this year. You know, I did a great job of recovering them and healing them in the off season, But then as, as a 19, 20-week season goes along, it just catches up with you, especially for me being on, like, cover teams and on defense and stuff where I'm just running all the time. You get uh, very little time to recover in between games and stuff. So it's just it's kind of a, a balance all year of keeping up with recovery and being able to take the time that you need uh, but so you can be ready for game day. Do you do a better job looking after your body now that you're a pro? Is that kind of one of the things when they say, I learned to be a pro? Is that is that one of the aspects you learned to do? Absolutely. I feel like in college, uh, when you're a little younger, I'm, I'm still pretty young, but when you're a little younger, your body can heal and bounce back a lot faster. And I feel like with the speed of the game at the college level, you, there's just not as many injuries that happen. So you don't always need to stretch or, reco- or be in the recovery room every day, things like that. But at this level, with how long the season is, you need to be taking care of your body first and foremost with what you put into it, your sleep, your recovery, your treatment, your weight room stuff. You definitely got to stay on top of it all the time, and that's definitely uh, what guys are talking about by being a pro. How is it living in the big smoke for the second uh, straight year? How, better or worse? Have you figured things out? Uh, I think it's a bit better this year. You know, we were in the same place as we were uh, partway through the season last year, so we're at least settled here and didn't have to try and find a place or all that chaotic stuff, but yeah, getting definitely more used to being downtown and all the heavy traffic and stuff and learning when to drive and when not to drive. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, do, no, it's cool. When don't you drive? When's the time not to drive? Give me an example. Uh, pretty much from like 7 a.m. till 10 or 7 a.m. till 10 a.m. And then probably 3.30, 4 o'clock till 7 p.m. Okay, you so... You don't want to be on the roads at all those times. So, uh... 
you know, I'm not making this about me, but my son who has traveled in the States into some of these smaller centers to, to games and stuff, he said, you know, you really, when you're not in Regina and you go to some of these places, you really appreciate the things that Regina has to offer. Do you feel that being away moved to Toronto? Yes, it's uh, in Regina. You know, you got you got your space, you got your quietness. You can you can get from uh, from the northwest or northwest side of the city to the southeast in about twenty minutes. And and here, if you want to get a couple blocks, it might take you longer than that. So <laughs> we definitely appreciate those little the quiet things about Saskatchewan. Former Campbell Tartan, uh, U of S Husky. We'll get to that in a second. And now Toronto Argonaut in his second year. How are you a better player this year than you were last year? Uh, I think like talking about before, like being pro and knowing what to expect this year, uh, taking care of my body more so, uh, being really into the playbook and just the confidence. I feel like that's the biggest thing going into year two is you got to kind of take that ooh and awe factor out of it and realize that you're, you're here for a reason. You got you to gotta step up and play and take, take on some of these number one and number one receivers and running backs. So um, yeah, when your number's called, you have to be ready to go, and there's no excuses for being young or, or inexperienced at all. So, I feel like you just gotta you gotta embrace it and and challenge yourself, and uh, yeah, do the best you can do. You know, you really uh, do play for the love of the game, don't you? In the CFL, it's it's one to me. It's one of the romantic things about the league because uh, the people playing uh, make make as much as some of the fans or the fans make more than some of the players, which is unheard of in any other professional sport. Now that's, that's good and bad, bad for you, I guess, in some ways, but you are really playing for the love of the game in some respects. You're not getting rich. You're living in Toronto. It's not cheap to live there to begin with worse with inflation. Do you ever ask yourself, why am I doing this? Or you, you're, you're loving your life right now. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. You know, I got to play football for a living and, and it beats any desk job for me. So, so I can't really complain at all. I love it. Um, and I, I, I do play for the love of the game. You know, like I love the sport. It, it is physically and mentally exhausting every day, all year. And, uh, it, it takes a lot out of you. So you got to really love what you do. You know, you're getting, getting yelled at all the time. You're getting beat up constantly and you got to, got to keep going for six months straight so uh with yeah like you said almost almost base salary so it, it, it's tough but but i wouldn't change it for anything have you allowed yourself josh haggerty to think about the fact that if you win you'll be playing for the most storied trophy in canadian football in your backyard that's cool yeah it's it's pretty surreal to think about i think it won't hit me until i'm in regina and being able to experience the whole Great Cup week, if that comes. But uh, it definitely crossed my mind a lot, especially recently, uh, just how cool of an experience that'd be. You know, I would, at the last Great Cup in Regina, I was sitting with my dad in the stands at the 50-yard line in the freezing cold. So to be able to be on the field for the next Great Cup there would be would be amazing. And I'd be I'd love that. It'd be unreal for my second year. You just gave me chills talking about that. That's Canadiana right there. Um, lastly, your old team, the U of S Huskies, uh, they're having a great year. Uh, Mason Nice and the boys rolling here. They've they're seven and one. I guess now eight and one after knocking off uh, Manitoba. They're going up against UBC. It feels kind of feels like it's their year. It feels like like I think if they get by this Hardy Cup, they should take care of Atlantic Canada and they'll be right back down east competing for a Vanier Cup. Do you, you still stay in touch with the guys? Oh yeah, yeah. All the fifth years are those are my guys. Those are the guys that I came in with and some of my best friends. So. 
definitely still keep in touch with them and wish them good luck throughout the season. And yeah, they're killing it this year. And I'm really not surprised. Like I knew coach Lawyer would have that group ready to roll over everyone. And uh, they've certainly showed that this year. Mason has had an unbelievable, I'd say heck Crichton season this year. And uh, I think he's going to really lead them through the postseason here and down the stretch. And uh, yeah, I think they'll definitely be back in that game. And I hope they get Western again to, uh, to get some redemption on them. Well, the Indianapolis Colts aren't meeting expectations, so Jim Ursay, their wacky owner, fired the head coach Frank Reich and made Jeff Saturday, who has no college or pro coaching experience but did play in the NFL for 14 years as the team center, he made Saturday the interim head coach of the Colts. Anyway, we got the Growing the Game with Ballsy production staff together for a little tribute to the fired coaches. Get a new coach. We've lost a few games, he's to blame. The fans were really stoked, but no reason to cheer. Till next year, only good thing, we can still drink lots of beer. Second quarter is brought to you by Paul Waldo over at Royal LePage. Get in the real estate game with the three-time Grey Cup champ by calling 306-502-5355. Dave Jackson's one of the great coaches on the staff of the Regina Thunder. As you'll hear, he's proud of the culture they created. Uh, so you obviously are a football nut like me. You know who Jeff Saturday is. He's now the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He used to be their center, and he has uh, come from the ESPN broadcast booth, and he hasn't ruled out bringing Dan Orlovsky, <laughs> who used to be the huh. Detroit Lions uh, quarterback who's famous for stepping out of the end zone, and now he's a pretty good analyst on ESPN. He might bring him in, but the way Jim Ursay, the owner, was talking, he's talking like it's pretty easy to be a coach. It's not rocket science. Tell me how hard is it to be a coach, especially of young men? Well, I think it's coaching and teaching. Uh, I think most people agree it's extremely difficult. Um, You know, it's one thing to come up with X's and O's. It's another thing to be able to teach it to a group of people that can then excel in that field, right? Uh, You could be teaching math. You could be coaching football. But teaching and coaching is about communication. It's about motivating. It's about having answers to the test and being able to give that to your players so that when situations come up they know how to react and they can feel confident doing so and execute at a very high level dave uh talk about being a special teams coach you've done that a lot of your life the pro level here with these uh with these guys is it easier to let uh, to get junior young football minds to buy in to be a special teams guy or pros because they're getting paid because it's not a it's not easy to get guys to want to play special teams it's like the ditch digging of football (laughs) well yeah you know nobody shows up uh, uh to their football team to be the right guard on punt team um but in my experience you know players will do whatever you ask them as long as they believe in what's in what you're asking and, and, and they can trust you. So if, if you have a group of people on your, that are leading your special teams that are, you know, the players know that they're there for them and, and you've got their best interest at heart and uh, they believe in what you're doing and, and they trust that everything you're, you're delivering is sound, in my experience, they want to be a part of it. Um, if they find that the program is not putting a lot of emphasis on special teams, and it's kind of an afterthought. They feel that, and they don't want to be a part of it. 
And it's it's no strange fact that uh, the more successful teams often are also successful on special teams. And that's really at any level, from minor all the way up to the NFL. I was laughing when you said nobody signs up to be the right guard on the on the punt team because that's exactly what my kid does at UND. He got absolutely he got double teamed and folded like a cheap chair in the last game. And he said, "Dad, at the specialty, he plays defense too." But he said, "Special teams is not for the faint of heart." So you got to have a good coach to buy in. We hear a lot about culture in sports. We've heard it with the Riders this year. We need to improve the culture. How do you how do you how do you get good culture in a room? How do you get it so your team is consistent and you know what's going to happen when they, you know, you know what you're going to get when they show up every day for work? Well, I, I think, first of all, you got to put some thought into your culture and, and what do you really believe in and what messages do you want to try to deliver to your team? And then, you know, the other part of, of culture is also recruiting the right people to fit what you want. Um, and so having a strong message that you believe in with positive values and then bringing in people with like mindset um, that believe in that stuff or that you know will believe in that stuff, those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, and, you know, one of the faults is, is just trying to grab every best player that you can. And sometimes, you know, that old saying about one apple can spoil the cart, uh, you know, you get some of that. So uh, Scott McCauley does a great job in creating the culture along with John Tokar and then uh, the coaching staff led by Scott and everybody else who contributes recruits good people uh, to be part of the program. And I think that's a, that's a good recipe to, uh, for a starting off point and moving forward. So you really feel like this, does this team have the makings of a, of a team that can be successful year after year after year. Now you had an un, uh, unbelievable season last year, first undefeated year. You finished first for the first time and you've been better this year. Are you feeling like this is more the norm for this football team? Well, we would like to think so. Absolutely. Uh, and I think a lot of it goes back to that COVID year. You know, when, when some other programs weren't doing a whole lot, that's really where Scott and Murad had the team buckle down. And we, we put emphasis on things like culture and strength and conditioning and developing relationships and recruiting. And, and you know, we practice hard and we really uh, set a foundation during that time because that was the only thing that the kids had available to them. They weren't allowed to do anything else. Um, so they really gravitated towards that. We got some good work in there. That translated to last year, where some people may have lost a year. Our guys didn't. They got better. And then we had success last year, which then feeds on to this year. Players wanting to stay because they love what's going on with the Regina Thunder. They could have left. They chose to stay. And, you know, that's leading into this year, and hopefully that domino continues to fall forward. Hey, did you hear about this? One of the handprint Wilson volleyballs from the Tom Hanks movie Castaway sold at auction recently for almost 84000 bucks. And, of course, who could ever forget that heart-wrenching scene when Tom's best friend on the island, Wilson, the volleyball, floats away from him. Wilson, where are you? I'm over here, Tom. Wilson! Over here on your left, Tom. Wilson! Your other left. Oh, now you're really getting cold, Tom. I'm thousands of miles away. Wilson! A nice person paid $84,000 for me at an auction, Tom. 
Now I'm all clean and dry. Time to recognize another title sponsor. It's Regina Football Royalty, John Ryan and his foundation. They've helped out this city's athletes for years, from a $200,000 donation to the U of R to outfitting young RMF players with gear. And thanks to John Ryan for supporting this podcast, too. He recently retired from football. Man, did he give us some great memories. And the only Saskatchewan kid to win a Super Bowl. He'll be a regular here on this podcast and on my show on 620 CKRM, the sports cage, talking NFL, CFL, and college ball. Hey, speaking of special teams, John Ryan would like what he's seeing from Rams kicker Eldo Galvin as he had a great bounce back year in U of R Ram colors, especially punting the football. Aldo, first off, it's student athlete. Tell the folks what you're taking in school, man. I'm majoring in sport rec management with a minor in German language and a diploma of business administration. Okay. When did you learn English? There's a good question. I started uh, back in elementary school, probably like around, I don't know, when I was like eight years old. Okay. Had had you ever been to Canada before you ended up here in Regina? No. Actually, like the first uh, time I was in Canada was in, in my visit uh, with the Rams in so, 2018. So how did you end up getting to Regina? We've never had you on the show. How did you end up coming here? Uh I contacted Coach Bryce through email and invited me to uh, come for spring camp. I wouldn't, I couldn't come for spring spring camp. I had uh, school work, but I uh, came a couple of weeks later and they saw me kick and then offered me a scholarship. So when did you start kicking footballs? Because I'm assuming in Mexico, I could be wrong, but uh, you probably kicked a lot of soccer balls. When did you start kicking <laughs> footballs? Correct. Uh, I started kicking footballs uh like probably when i was like 14 14 it was my first season playing um uh football Mm -hmm. but uh my dad used to be a kicker uh too like back in the day so he thought my brother and i like to kick the football earlier okay so your dad who did he kick for uh he he played back home uh for he played college back home and Mm -hmm. and semi-pro has your family been up here to watch you much since you've been playing here? Uh yes. Uh they can they usually come for two games uh every year. Uh the last time they came was in twenty nineteen. Uh last year they couldn't come. Mm-hmm. But actually they're coming next week, uh to see the same final and hopefully the final. That's awesome, man. So how do you like Regina? How do you like Saskatchewan? It's not Mexico, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's totally different. I like it. Uh, I like the people. I like the team. Uh, my coaches, my teammates, uh, all the Ram Nation. It's uh, I, I really enjoy it. All right. So, uh, you spent, I think, your first winter here. Like you stayed over the winter because that's how important it was for you to to fine tune your game. First off, what was it like to spend uh, spend the winter in Canada? Maybe one of the worst places to spend a winter in is right in the middle of the prairies here. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, it was my third winter, or second winter staying here in Canada. Uh, it was it was good. It was good to be with the 
to the guys. It was my first uh, summer I stayed here, uh, uh, which was good to be part of the team, be involved with them, um, mm-hmm. and practicing with them was good. So do you have a good uh, good set of gloves, too, Kaparka, and do you take pictures and show your family, look what I'm wearing here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of funny when I go back home and I'm not wearing a jacket, uh, my mom gets gets mad because I'm not, I'm going to get sick, but I, I told her, like, I'm used to the cold. <laughs> <laughs> so who helped you pick out, like, your first winter jacket or whatever? Uh, I don't remember. I just went to uh, Eddie Bauer and just picked <laughs> one. <laughs> That's the best. Hey, uh, Aldo, you've always had a strong leg. Maybe a bit of accuracy on field goals has been an issue, but you're really punting the stuffing out of the ball and doing a better job of kicking field goals. How much has Mark McLaughlin helped you and uh, Jeff Stusick as well? Oh, having Mark was uh, was amazing. Uh, unfortunately, he, he, he got a – fortunate for him, he got a better job offer, so he's not with us anymore. But uh, like, it was pretty good to have him as a mentor. Uh, I really enjoy it, and Jeff, uh, like he's he's the best special teams coordinator in the country. So uh, it's it's good to have him there too. Yeah, he really has made some great play calls, hasn't he? Like an onside kick against the U of S here, and he really has some faith in you. What does it What does it mean to you when your coach has that much faith in you? Oh, I love it. Like, uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. I want to play for him. Uh, and I'm, I'm the same kind of. I have the same kind of perspective as him. Like I, I want to be aggressive with the special teams, and uh, I'm glad he's a coordinator and he trusts my leg and uh, like everybody pretty much on the on the team to make those plays. Eldo, when you're in Mexico and your dad's teaching you how to kick, he's probably doing it with an American football, not a CFL or a Canadian football. How different is it to kick a Canadian football as opposed to an American-sized football? Uh, correct. Yeah, I was with American-sized uh, football. And it's a little bit different. I personally prefer to kick an NFL ball. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's bigger, uh, the sweet spot is it's better, but uh, Canadian football, it, I feel it's heavy. I don't know if it's the, like the weather too, like it makes you like a rut, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but it's uh, I'm getting used to it, so that's good. How do you like our game in terms of our kicking rules are great. Like in American football, they're basically trying to take kicking out of the league, and guys like you, you know, who want to have a professional job down the line might not have one the way they're going here. Every kickoff's a touchback, and uh, in their league, they don't really have much uh, many punt returns. I know that doesn't affect you as the punter because you still got to kick the ball. But do you like our rules? Mm-hmm. The, the the way the, the goalposts at the front, the rouge if you miss the field goal. I. I like the game. Uh, I like how special teams are very important, uh, like in the Canadian game, uh, in American game too. But in Canadian, it uh, could benefit or uh, affect you, right? Um, so I think it's more important in Canadian rules. Uh, I like the rules. Uh, I, as a partner, I rather like get a fair catch. But in Canadian football, I can do that. So uh, I just. I, I enjoy both games. I, I enjoy both the games. Uh, the rules are, are pretty good. Hey, do you have to practice your tackling? Because you might have to make a tackle in this league with the return and courage. You know, uh, they, they want people to return the ball. So do they make you practice tackling as a kicker? No. Funny story. Uh, 
my first season uh, back home, I played linebacker and kicker because my dad used to play both. Uh, I wasn't sure. Uh, the only thing I was sure it was going to be I'm going to be a kicker. I didn't know about the linebacker uh, part, but uh, played the season, did, didn't really enjoy it. Uh, then the next season, play as a receiver and kicker and stick with it till I made uh, my move to Canada. And when I got here, it was kind of my first season as a just a specialist. I never uh, was a full uh, kicker. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like frustrating and like boring at the beginning, like practice and just kick and stuff. Uh, and I took some drills as linebacker, but not really as uh, I don't see myself playing professionally as a linebacker or other position, just as kicker or So uh, yeah, I might just get to it. Yeah. And that's my last question for you, Aldo Galvin. Can you see yourself kicking in the CFL or who knows the NFL? I mean, you're kicking right now. You're punting in a CFL stadium where the riders play. And we do have the global rules with having global kickers on teams or global players on teams. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, that's the goal. That's uh, especially the main reason why I moved to Canada uh, to try to make play pro. Uh, I think the CFL is a great league and uh, I'm trying to do my best to catch some attention of the scouts and the teams. Well, before we get to our fourth quarter stretch, did you hear about this? A mom is taking flack for bringing her five-year-old son to Hooters for his birthday party. Well, you know, in today's society, Hooters was pretty quick to issue an apology. We at Hooters would like to apologize for the five-year-old's birthday party at our restaurant. The mother complaining online had two very good points. One, this party was a total bust. And two... Our big bouncers should never have let them enter. And they're in double trouble. Thank you so much for letting it all out and getting it off your chest. We were very touched. Our servers are overflowing with regret and are here if you need some support. And finally, thank you for exposing us to these big issues and keeping us abreast on the situation. Sincerely, Hooters. Another great title sponsor of Growing the Game with Ballsy is Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and Prince Albert. Thanks to Ben Garrow for getting on board. Advantage Collision Saskatoon is your SGI accredited auto body repair shop. They're family owned and a certified collision care OEM approved auto body shop. Providing comprehensive service as part of a worldwide network of best in class collision repair shops. Their customer service team can manage the entire process on your behalf to ensure everything you need is taken care of choose advantage collision because they care about your safety and our fourth quarter brought to you by hammer time roofing in saskatoon and my buddy kevin welsh saskatoon's only certified roofing business they specialize in gaf certainteed and malarkey roofing now if you're looking for a great stocking stuffer this christmas you can't go wrong with this book the blood and guts how tight ends save football from tyler dunn at golongtd.com, former beat writer for the Packers and the Buffalo Bills as well. You have a Saskatchewan Rough Riders sweatshirt. How the hell do you have that? <laughs> Who doesn't have one? <laughs> there, you go, right? there you go, there you go, there you go. That's the real question. Uh, well, it's it's a sharp logo. It's a sharp team name. Um, I'm a huge Coulter Wall fan. Oh, yeah. You know, he's the best, the best musician going. So you get, there's a Saskatchewan... Uh, reference i mean i really that's when i write uh 
these stories and wrote Blood and Guts, it was Coulter Wall in the ears and, and Boney Bears as well. But, man, that soothing Coulter voice, nothing beats it. Um, but to answer your question, actually, my brother is a scout for the Buffalo Sabres. So he did a ton of work out there, you know, running around chasing yeah. prospects and whatnot. So, yeah, he thought I'd like it. He picked one up, and I wear it all the time. That's awesome. Your brother getting a raise these days. The Sabres are actually off to a good start for a change. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I mean, he's been there from Darcy Regeer on through. So, uh, yeah, Austin's seen a little bit of everything uh, scouting for these Buffalo Sabres. It's looking good. It's like a, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. No. You know, we tend to get excited about little runs like this, but it feels real this time with the young talent they have. Well, as an Oilers fan, I can appreciate that. Okay, we'll get into the tight end book in a second here. You've covered Buffalo and Green Bay. That's interesting because kind of similar markets, right? Small, underappreciated, uh, I would think. Very, very similar. It, I, the best way I can put it is, like, the, 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 the town, the neighborhoods, everything takes on the personality of the team. So if the, if the Packers are losing the playoffs in just crushing fashion to the San Francisco 49ers or what have you, everybody's depressed. Everybody's sad. Everybody's down. It's palpable. I mean, and it's because then you have the seasonal depression on top of it. You know it's not going to get warm until, like, June. And, and, and Buffalo, same deal. When they're winning right now, and you can just feel it. Everybody's so dang excited around here. Um, there's hope in the air. Like, you know, I was just working at a coffee shop, and, you know, they've got, like, Josh Allen's signed jersey up on the wall, and yeah. everybody's everybody's just jacked up. So, yeah, it, it, it's good now, but if they have another 13-second situation, uh, it will be the exact opposite. It'll yeah. be like it, like it was in Green Bay through all the, the playoff heartache. Yeah, you know, you've just described Saskatchewan and what it means to be a Ryder fan, Ryder Nation. When we win, everybody's spending money. The businesses are happy. When, uh, when, 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 when we're losing, we throw the dog outside for two days. You know what I mean? It's one of those. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those. And it's flat, so you can see the dog run away for two or three days. Uh, Tyler, uh, this book is uh, obviously something that's uh, near and dear to your heart. How long did it take first of all how do you come up with the idea the blood and guts how tight ends save football you know i've always just loved the game and it, it really starts with that pure love for real football having played it having watched it having covered it it's it, it, you watch a game today and i don't know I, I maybe i'm a little bit of an alarmist but when grady jarrett just gently tackles tom oh. brady to the turf and gets a penalty uh, when chris jones gets a flag for tackling a court. It's just insane. And we've seen it a handful of times over, over the last five, 10 years. And I don't know, it just feels like the NFL is seeking this middle ground that doesn't exist. This utopia of just, you know, that this is just the right amount of violence in a violent sport. Um, it drives me nuts. It drives a lot of people nuts. So I got to thinking, all right, you know, have this pure love for football. What's the best way to tell that story? While, uh, while what we do love is, kind of under attack and changing before our eyes. I mean, my God, if you're going to throw these flags, just make it touch football and be done with it, Roger. It's, yeah. it's insane. Um, and, and the more you think about it, the more that, that NFL tight end is the game distilled to one position. You have to do everything. There's physical toughness. There's mental toughness. So I just kind of set off around the country to hang out with all these guys, Mike Dicka, Tony Gonzalez, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, Jeremy Shockey. Um, and then once I hung out with these guys, it it kind of took on a life of its own. 
it became something that was even bigger than the tight end position. And, and I'd argue bigger than the game. I think when people read this book, um, they're going to learn a lot about the human condition, really. I became a Chargers fan because in Canada here, when I was growing up, I'm older than you. I can already tell by your voice. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I only, we only got one NFL game a week up here. And the very first game I watched was in 1981 when I was nine years old. That's right, Tyler. I'm 50. And um, it was the 1982 playoff game, Chargers and Dolphins. And you watch Kellen Winslow do everything for the Chargers. So I, Kellen Winslow was my first favorite tight end. And then, and then Antonio Gates, the basketball player, they signed him for like 7,500 bucks. And he was an all timer. Oh, well, then this book is for you. It's for you. I mean, we, we break that game down uh, in meticulous detail because really that, that 81 game, the epic in Miami when it looked like Kellen Winslow was dying on a football field, I mean, that, that, that's really what catapulted the position to just a completely different stratosphere. That, that's when being an NFL tight end became something greater than, you know, blocking, catching. It, 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 you know, it had – Definitely made some incredible strides with Ditka, Mackie, Jackie Smith, Ozzie Newsome, but I, I really do think that the epic in Miami, because we all saw, we all saw, I wasn't born for another six years. Um, the nation saw. Mm, thanks. Um, thanks, Tyler. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the nation saw what a guy could do and be multi-talented and everything like that. So in this uh, in this book and traveling across the country and meeting all these guys, uh, Gonzalez, Kittle, Ditka, Shockey, was there one uh, – uh, without giving too much away, was there one uh, eyebrow-raising story or an interesting nugget that made you go, oh, yeah, it was worth writing this book? Oh, my God, hell yeah. It, it happened again and again. I, I really feel like if you're going to do a pro- project like this, take on a project like this, you've got to hang out with these guys in their elements. You've got to be face-to-face. It can't be a research-based book. It can't be a phone call-based book. I really wanted to kind of Get, get the boots on the ground, so to speak, and, and hang out with Jeremy Shockey right at the bar, right? That's where Jeremy Shockey <laughs> tends to be in his, his element, um, whether it's getting into bar fights back in the day or at the U, you know, fighting, fighting folks there with the New York Giants. I mean, he lived like there was no tomorrow. He played like there was no tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, it was really every tight end I kind of hung out with had some epic stories. I mean, to keep it there on Shockey, it's – it's, I think it, people will – will have their minds blown a little bit by his impact really on the position where he attacked life the same way he attacked the field and vice versa. Like there was no tomorrow. He's going to go have himself a good time, but guess what? If he, if he's out there drinking and partying and, you know, maybe picking up a girl or two, <laughs> he's almost going to punish himself in the middle of the night um, by banging out like a hundred pushups or sit-ups. Like, he, it, it's weird. In his head, he had this just maniacal work ethic that I think kind of got clouded um, with all the TMZ stuff or the back page stuff as it was back then, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could you could tell that it, it it was different for its time, right? I mean, if he called Tom Coughlin an a-hole publicly, he didn't apologize for it. No. His teammates the next that day would say, hey, why are you doing that, Jeremy? And he said, oh, First Amendment, it's a free country. You know, that's it. You know, I believe in that, and he just walk away. Yeah. You couldn't do that now. Yeah, you couldn't do that now. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Tyler. Hey, you, you couldn't, but Rob Gronkowski, like that's some yeah. like Gronk. You know, yeah, he, Gronk, he yeah. looked up to Shockey. Like this was his hero. Yeah. So a good even point. though Shockey's not on the Hall of Fame, and he never did get that gold jacket, he was very, very good. Never like exceptional statistically. His impact on the game itself, I think people are going to find out, was so much greater than anybody knew. 
What was Ditka's impact on the game? I mean, he created the tight end position itself. Before Mike Ditka, you had split ends, you had ends, and and that was that. I mean, the end, you blocked, maybe you, you ran a few yards, you caught a pass, and you fell down. Uh, but Mike Ditka, you know, Mike Ditka was really the one who cr- created the position itself because he was so good. Him and John Mackey both. Coaches and players needed to differentiate between ends and split ends, and they couldn't just call this player an end. It had to be a tight end because this guy is, is dynamic, right? I mean, this, we, we've got to call this something other than the split end to differentiate. And I, I think, though, you know, beyond the X's and O's and beyond Luke Johnson's his offensive coordinator, showing him how to get a two-way release by lining up just a few yards off of the tackle, it, it was him being an apex predator. It was him, yeah. you know, making the field his domain, and if anybody cheap-shotted him, if Ray Nitschke clotheslined Mike Ditka, he made a mental note of it, and he got him back. He always got his vengeance, and, you know, you fast-forward a few generations, and that's how Jeremy Shockey played, and then that's how Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle played. They, they all kind of had that edge to them that you needed that tight end position. I really think that that, that, that that snarl, that gnarly style of play, that helped define the game as much as anything. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Last uh, point with you, Tyler, uh, Dunn. Um, the NFL is almost unwatchable this year. Do you not feel that way? It's like it, yeah. there are a lot of bad football games. I totally agree. I, it, it's very watered down. It's just you've got, what, three good teams, three great yeah. teams, and then everybody else can kind of convince themselves that they're contenders. Or you could say they're a pretender. They they might they might win one or two games the rest of the year. I don't know. It, it's yeah. It's the kind of parody the NFL wants. I guess they want everybody to have a, a glimmer of hope to make the playoffs. But I'm with you. It's it just isn't that 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 appealing to watch. I think it is the fact that uh, yeah. I mean, there's those two deep safeties taking away the big play. Schematically, defenses just go out of their way to eliminate the deep ball. So that makes it less fun to watch, right? It's a lot of 15 play drives to kind of work your way down the field. And I just think a lot of it is this, the, the, the NFL trying to siphon that physicality out of the game. I mean, if the defensive player is terrified of getting fined tens of thousands of dollars, that's going to dull down their, their style, their play. And I, I, part of me gets it. Nobody wants to see, you know, Blake Bortles in a Super Bowl or, you know, name your backup <laughs> quarterback over the years. Chase Daniel. They want to keep the stars healthy, but I feel like, you know, to get kind of bring it full circle, you, you got to remember what, what the game is. There's an inherent risk. These guys know what they're getting into when they step on the field. And, I mean, ask, ask somebody like Ben Coates. We hung out for this book. He's hurting like hell. I mean, he missed two games over a decade, one because his mother died, the other because he had a high ankle sprain and probably should have kept him out two months. He missed one game. Does he regret I mean, playing? Does he regret playing? He doesn't regret one thing. He, he needs people to drive him around. He can't walk upstairs. At least he couldn't when we were talking. He doesn't regret a thing. He loved every second of it. He'd do it again. I think what the, the good the game brings um, to, to so many of these guys, it, it's worth it. It's worth it. I just wish the NFL would own what it is. Just, just be honest with yes, us. Yes, 100%. Don't tell us, you know, don't tell us an unsafe game is safe. It's, it's not safe, and that's okay. Well, nobody says UFC is safe. Who says, you know, we've made the UFC safer? No, that's why we're watching. And everybody that plays, I have a kid playing right now, a 20-year-old son. You know what you sign up for. It's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. Yep. So, yeah. I totally agree. It's, 
No, if they need to look at it, look at the product through that UFC prism. It's, you know, I'm a big Adam Carolla fan. He always puts it best. Society's moving toward octagons and safe spaces. You know, it's like these two extremes, right? We either are offended by everything and want to live in a bubble, or we want to get into the octagon and, you know, rock climb and jump out of air. And it's kind of like the NFL has always been one extreme, but they they don't want to tick off the other extreme. They see everybody going that other direction, and they want to convince everybody, no, 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 it's safe. We're doing our part. Um, I don't know. I'm yeah. not I'm not saying that everybody needs to be cannibals out there. Obviously, there's a line, but when you know it, you kind of know it, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, 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 you know, it's just it, it's gone too far, and the overcorrection has kind of made the game worse. I think. Tyler Dunn at GoLongTD.com, uh, pardon me, and his book, The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football, is out now. Amazon.com, probably at your favorite bookstore. It's outstanding. I'm going to get it tonight. Thanks for your time, Tyler. Hey, thank you, man. Really enjoyed it. Would, would love to do it again. And I got to check out some Rough Rider action, man. I got to be a true fan. I got time to step it up. Uh, that's right. Unfortunately, we're out of the playoffs now, but our Grey Cup, our Super Bowl is coming up here in our city. We're the host, so you could check it out probably. Heck yeah. Hey, there's always next year, right? Yes. Get after it next absolutely. Year. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that'll do it for another installment of Growing the Game with Ballsy. Thanks for your continued support. Please tell all your friends and family and the football community about this podcast as we try to keep and grow this great game of football. If you have any story ideas that you want me to pursue, and we're going to get one next time from PA, thanks to Taurus for giving me the heads up on what's going on out there. But if you're like Taurus and you want me to cover the sport in your area, please reach out at mball at harvardmedia.com. You can catch me daily on the sports cage on 620 CKRM from 4 until 6.30 as we have got all sports, but in particular, football of the three-down variety covered from sideline to sideline. We'll talk to you next time.